0: In the epistles of Paul's writings, there are 130 selfies. And we find those selfies in the words of which is is articulated as this. In him, in whom, or in Christ... And so every time we see those words in him, him, in whom, or in Christ, it is a selfie of who you are or as a believer, a follower of Christ, of what God, is, what God and who God has made you. So when you see those, you ought to write them down. You ought to circle them. You should highlight them so that you can begin to identify and see who you are. And every time you see those, you should be able to say, that's who I am. That's what I can do, and that's what I can have. Because that's me. That's who I am in him. And so God wants us to really understand that there's more to this Christian living than just simply uh, saying, I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven. Remember Jesus said this in John 10.10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The translation is in quality and quantity. So he tells us two things there. He says, there is an enemy called the devil, that is coming to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He said, but the reason that I came was that you could have life in quality and quantity. How many of you want quality and quantity of life? I want them both. And the Bible says we can have them. I want quality of life and I want quantity of life. Meaning, I don't want it just to be at home, sitting around the house, twiddling my thumbs, saying, Well, God, I wish we could sure go on vacation, but we'll just enjoy our time here. Well, how about if I can enjoy my time here with my family, but also God can bless us to live a life of quantity of life. Come on. And so God wants us to understand that there's more to this life than just living and dying, that God desires for us to know Him in a greater way and who we are or find out our selfie. So let's dig into this today, and let's find out a little bit about more of who we are. And so to begin, I wanted to share a natural example with you so that you can put the pieces together or just kind of help paint a picture for you as we get started. And, and really, uh, I was inspired by one of the fellows that came and helped us last week, or I should say last night, uh, at the church uh, doing the renovations uh, for the children's ministry. And he was sharing with us at the end of the day, he was saying that his... His daughter was in swimming, and uh, he said that uh, she was wanting to be on the swim team. And so he said he would get with her, and they would go practice at the, at the gym, or I should say at the, the swimming pool. And one of the things that she was struggling with was diving, diving off the blocks to start swimming. And he said, so what we did is we would go back and we would practice Come on, how many of you know that when it comes to finding out your selfie or who you are, you've got to begin to practice what God said you are and who you are? And so they went to the the swimming pool and they just began to practice. And she was getting frustrated with just her her diving in. And so she said to her dad, I guess I'll never get it. And was just frustrated. How many of you have ever been frustrated in life because you're thinking, God, I'm trying, but I'm just not getting it. And so she said, Dad, I don't know that I'll be able to do it. And so Dad said, we just kind of packed up and we went home and and just were able to just kind of talk through some things. And then they went back at it again and started practicing again. And he said this one time, his daughter jumped off the blocks and had a perfect dive Hit the water. He said, she'd come up out of the water, her face lit up, and like, I did it! <laughs> and he said, the confidence that radiated out of her because she did it. He said, man, it got me. He said, I had to turn my head because I was about ready to cry. He said, my baby got it. And he said, to see how she looked when she got it. And then after she got it, she knew she could do it. And she continued to do it and do it and do it and do it. And now she's coming home from practice and she's like, Dad, I can dive in. And man, I'm halfway across the pool before I have to come up for air. I'm just, and she comes and she's just got confidence because she's done it. And she knows she can do it. Are you here this morning? Well, why do I share that story with you? Because just like that young teenage girl that is trying to accomplish something in life. The enemy comes knocking on her door, tapping her on the shoulder. And it doesn't matter whether it's a teenager, whether it's an adult, whether it's you. The enemy will come and say, you can't do it. You'll never make it. You'll always be a failure. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've accomplished. There will always be an enemy the devil that comes and knocks on your door, taps on your shoulder, and tries to steal, kill, and destroy. You may have had success yesterday, but he'll come tomorrow and try to knock you off. That's just how he is. Now, once again, we've been talking about these things, and for the sake of just helping you understand, you may say, You've talked a lot about the devil the last couple of weeks. Well, you realize I'm not trying to exalt the devil, he is an opponent. But the Bible says he's defeated. And what I'm trying to articulate to you is that we do have an enemy that comes to try to steal, kill, and destroy our life. But we do not have to be afraid because we are victorious. But the Bible says don't be ignorant of the enemy's devices. So understanding that he is going to come knocking on your door. He's going to mess with your kids. He's going to mess with your marriage. He's going to mess with your money. He's going to mess with your home. But if we know what to do, if we know our authority, we will not have I can't or I quit in my vocabulary because we know that practice makes perfect and I can make this happen. You'll be jumping off the blocks like that teenage girl and say, man, I'm getting further down the road before I have to come up for air. Come on, why? Because we're finding out our selfie or what God says We have who we are and what we can do. Come on, I'm telling you what, this is good news. And when you get a hold of this, it will take away the self-condemnation talk that you hear in your ear. And many of the times that talk is just the enemy. Do you realize that the devil is not a mind reader, but he can read the look on your face? So in other words, he'll come and he'll start picking on you. And depending on how you respond is a matter of whether he knows he's got you or not. Are you hearing me? Yes. If you start squalling and bawling, if you start pouting, if you start fussing and fighting with your wife, he's like, ha-ha, I got him. Yeah, and he'll just keep on. He'll keep on until he gets you into a place where you're so deep and dark in a hole that you just want to give up. But we are who God says we are. We can do what God says we can do, and we can have what God says we can have. Because our true selfie is in Him, in Christ. Everybody say with me. I'm in Christ. I'm in Him. Therefore, I can have what He says I can have. I can do what He says I can do. And I can be what He says I can be. Amen. Come on, man. That is your selfie. Come on! All right. So, if you're there, or I didn't tell you, did I tell you to turn there. If you was half spiritual in this place, you'd already know. All right, Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. If you knew who you were in Christ, you would have known how to know. I just, Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse nineteen. This is kind of some review, but I want to begin here by setting a platform for where we're going today. It says in verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? Everybody say, toward me. me." That's you. He says, this power toward us who believe. So in other words, he's talking about born again, followers of Christ, not people that just say, well, I believe in God. He's talking about Christian people. There's this power that is toward us who believe. According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand. He seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. Everybody say heavenly places. places. So the Bible says that God raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. So, to begin with, understanding that that right hand or that seat at the right hand of God represents a position and place of authority. It's who He is and His seat or, or where He is sitting is at the right hand of the Father. You know, when Jesus did the work of the cross and was raised from the dead, He sat down. He didn't sit down because He was tired. He sat down because it was finished. Everything that he was going to do for you is already done. We keep saying, God, will you do? Jesus, can you help? And Jesus says, I'm sitting down. I'm in my position in place of authority. I've done it all for you. Now you say, well, what does that do for me? What am I supposed to do now that you're sitting down? I'm glad you asked because it goes on to say this in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. It says, even when we were dead to our trespasses, meaning before Christ, was made alive together with Christ by the grace or by grace you have been saved. Verse 6 says, and raised us up together. Everybody say "raised raised us together. Raised us together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Remember we said our selfie is identified in him, in whom, or in Christ. And we said right here that our place, our selfie, is seated or sitting together in Christ with Him in heavenly places. So, in other words, when you sat or when you received Christ, you sat down with Jesus, and you are seated seated in a seated seated in a position (laughs) or place of authority. That is your selfie. My wife did a great job talking about that last week. You have authority. Now, let me give you an example just as to, excuse me, as I go over here to the side. I have these two little chairs, and probably some of you won't be able to see me simply because of the height of the one. But this little chair represents before Christ are defeated, deflated, dead, trespass. what we just read, place in life. And we're sitting here like little kids. I wish I could go out and play. (laughs) I wish I could have some fun. How come they're living so good? Right? You're, you're, You're in this small postured position. But in Christ, God raises us up and sits us together with Him in heavenly places. In Him. So now my position, my posture is different. But here's the thing. Most believers, a lot of the church does not know their place that they have in Him. And sometimes that's because of denomination, it's because of church, or it's just simply because of our laziness that we don't take the time to find out who we are in Him. And so as a result, we get born again or we receive Christ into our life and we're seated with him, but we still have that same little posture as we were when we were before Jesus. Well, I am going to heaven, but boy, it sure is hard serving Jesus. Well, how come the devil just beat me up? God, why don't you do something about that? No, I'm seated with him. My posture is different now. Because I have identified myself, Jesus has authority, but I'm in him. And if I'm in him, I'm with him. And he said that he seated me with him. So now my position, my place is a position and place of authority. In what? Over people? Oh, no, no. Over the enemy. The one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember when, when, when the enemy came to attack, the, uh, to attack Jesus or tempt Jesus? Jesus always responded and said, This is what God said. And he whooped the devil every time when he came to tempt him. Well, what are you going to do? Do the same thing Jesus did. That's right. awesome. Hey, devil, I, I know that you're trying to come and mess with me. I know you're trying to mess with my kids. You're trying to discourage them. You're trying to get them to quit the team. Leave them alone. In Jesus' name, because that's my son, that's my daughter, and I have a position and place of authority. So in Jesus' name, stop it. Why? Because of my position and place. That's who I am. That's what I have, and that's what I can do. Amen? Amen. So again, we're identifying our position and our place in Him. Now, just that being said, just to kind of give you some examples, as learning, as a young man starting to learn this place of authority. I, I remember hearing Brother Hagin talk about some family members that uh, were, were sick and, and, and dying. And he had said, God, he says, I know it's time for them to go. He said, but uh, I don't want them to, to go through the jaws of death. I want them to go through the gates of death. Meaning, I don't want them to go in fear. I don't want it to be, <clears throat> be a hardship in them dying and leaving and going home with you. I want them to step over into eternity and go through the gates of death rather than the jaws of death. And he said, God, this is what I'm believing for. That They're going to have a glorious home going. And so I heard those stories, and I just kind of put them in my filing cabinet in my brain. And said, well, that is pretty interesting. Well, this is probably about 10 years ago. Uh... My grandfather was a great influence in my life, just a great man of God, loved God, and uh, just always blessed me because of his heart towards God. But when we'd ever get together with the family events, he would always talk about God. You could say, hey, Grandpa, I love your shirt. That looks very cool. And Grandpa would somehow turn that conversation into talking about God. That's just That was his passion in his heart. Well, the family would just get irritated. Oh, Grandpa talking about God again. And it bothered me. I'm like, this is the patriarch of our family. Why do you disrespect him every time he talks about God? Whether you don't want to hear it or not, just sit there and smile and be respectful. You know, it just irritated me. And so this one particular Christmas, uh, I was irritated with how the family was treating it. And the next year was going to be my year to host the Christmas family or the family Christmas. And I said, God... I said, Grandpa is going to have a platform to talk about you next year. If I have to get him a pulpit or something, he's going to be able to talk about Jesus all he wants to. And when I said that, the Lord said to me, he said, he won't be here next year. I'm like, oh, okay. And sure enough, during the course of that year, my grandfather, uh, there was a time where this, he just wasn't being grandpa, so they took him in. I can't remember what the, the thing was, but they, he went in to the hospital. And as he went into the hospital, his health just continued to decline. There was absolutely nothing wrong with him. I believe that he was just ready to go home. And so we called, and they said, well, Grandpa's in, in a coma. And, uh, you know, why don't you just come up? Because he may not have, any, have much time left. And so as we're getting ready to go, my wife and I were talking. And I said, babe, I said, you know what? I said, do you remember what Brother Hagin talked about? You know, just having a glorious home going. I said, that's what I want. And I said, God, I said, he cannot go home with you until uh, he has a glorious home going. And we're just going to have a time with him. So when we get there, he's coming out of a coma and we're going to have a great time with grandpa. And then he can go home. And so we got ready. We went up to the hospital and we got there. And sure enough, grandpa's laying there unconscious and all the family's around. And my uncle says to me, he says, says Tony, he says, uh, why don't you just say a prayer? Well, I already knew that the Lord told me he was going home to be with the Lord. And so I wasn't going to pray for him to to be well or whatever. I, just, I thought, well, okay, I'll just say a general prayer. And as I was praying, I got to the end of my prayer and I says, in Jesus' name, amen. And all of a sudden... Wow! Amen! Wow! Glory to God! My grandpa just opened up his eyes and started praising God. He's like, wow, praise the Lord. I was like, hey, grandpa. He's like, hey, how you doing? And, and, and we just got talking. And then the nurse came in, started taking his blood pressure. And the whole time that this guy's taking his blood pressure and checking over his vitals and stuff, he's like, Whoa, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. And the nurse looked at me like, grandpa's like a little loopy right here. And and that's what he did to me. He's like, you know, he's just not in his right mind. And I'm like, if he was ever in right mind, it's right now. You just don't know what's going on right now. And so then we're sitting there, and then he starts talking. He says, you know, over there, do you see? And what he's doing, he's describing things that he's seeing. Well, there's nothing there, but what he's seeing is over on the other side. And then we sat there and had a time with, with Grandpa. And then at the last, I said, Grandpa... I said, like the word of God talked about men of old blessing and praying over their future generations. I want you to bless me and bless my family. Now, I didn't have kids at the time, but he grabbed my hand. and I blessed my grandson and his children and my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And then he started praying and prophesying over his sons and his daughters. And then we said amen and just had a time. And then we went home. And then later that night, he went home to be with the Lord. Now, why did I share that with you? Because there is a position and place of authority that we have. Now, not that you can control anybody, but as I said, God, we are not going to let Him go through the jaws of death. He will go through the gates of death and step over into eternity. Now, once again, to give you another example, just to express how we can operate and function in the authority that God has given us, my sister and her husband uh, were moving to florida and when i was searching my heart i'm like god i don't want my sister to go and i said god furthermore if i really check my heart this does not feel like the will of god for them to go down to florida now once again i can't control them and i can't convince them what the will of god is but i'm just praying for them and once again you know partly my emotions and my own desire was in there but i'm like god this just this just isn't i don't believe this is your will but god helped them And so then it got to a little bit later, just before they were going, I said, God, I said, they are determined that they're moving to Florida. And I said, so God, here's what I'm going to ask you. I said, because she's my sister, I'm asking that you would bless them abundantly when they go to Florida. And God said to me, he said, because you asked me, I will. And I said, thank you, sir. But then my next remark was, I said, but God, if you bless them, then they'll never know that they're wrong. (laughs) And he says, don't you worry, let, worry about that. You let me handle that. And I'm telling you what. God has blessed my sister and brother-in-law so much and has just opened up doors for them. I don't tra- take credit for that. But what I'm saying is, is that, God, this is my family. And I'm standing in my position. I'm in my place of authority. And I'm asking you because this is my family. Bless them in Jesus' name. And he said, I will because you asked me. Yeah. Now, again... What has God done for you? He's put you in a position and place of authority to be able to do the very same thing. But unfortunately, we as the church haven't known what belongs to us, have not understood what our selfie is, and so we sit back and never take advantage of what has been given to us. We let the enemy run rampant in our thinking, in our thought life. We let the enemy run crazy in our marriages. We let the enemy just do whatever he wants in the life of our children. And we just sit back and watch it and boohoo and cry. And God says, you have a selfie of authority. Don't just let the enemy, the thief, come in and rob you blind. If there was somebody, you know... Did you see last night on the news that somebody, uh, there was a hit and run. And some, so they were, the cops were trying to find them. And so there's this vigilante running around somewhere in Clyde or, or Birch Run. And, and, and the, the, the copper, cops are hot on, on the pursuit. My wife says, I'm not taking the dog out because you never know what might be outside. She goes, you take, you take the dog out. Well, if somebody come busting in my door at night and began to threaten my family, or even just invaded my space, there would be a confrontation. There would be somebody that would be dead. You know what I'm talking about? Now, you may say, well, you're a preacher. I'm a preacher, but I'm also a man. i also got a family to protect. And there's not going to be somebody coming in and invading my family space without something happening." Well, if I or you will do that on a natural level, then why do we just sit back and let the enemy come in and just mess with our life and just say, Well, twinkle, twinkle, little star, God, why don't you do something about that? And God says, I've done it already. And I've put you in a seat of authority that you do something about it now. And so once again, God is wanting us to identify who we are and what we have. But rather than, like I said, we have bowed down in defeat. We have cowered down in fear. But God says you've got a selfie of authority. That's who you are and what you have. Ephesians chapter 1. You doing okay? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says this. And he put all things under his feet. Speaking of what God did in Jesus. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now, once again, we're not taking the time to read that whole portion there in Ephesians chapter 1, but let's just call it the way it is or let's say it the way that it really needs to be said. That God put all things, the enemy, principalities, and powers, under the feet of Jesus. Jesus has got his foot on the neck of the enemy. And that's where he's at. But then it goes on to say that he gave all things to the church or the body. Remember we said this two weeks ago that the head cannot do anything without the operation of the body. My head cannot pick up this Bible, but my head can tell my body to pick it up. And that's where the activity happens. And so therefore... He said, all that Jesus came to do to put under foot. And where is the foot, by the way? The foot is not in the head. The foot is in the body. So therefore, all things have been put under your feet concerning the enemy. And he says that all this authority has been given to us, the church. It's yours. You have authority. Now, it goes on to say this a little bit further in Colossians if in fact if you want to turn to Colossians chapter 2 verse 12 Colossians chapter 2 verse 12 Now let me just say this as well now once again not trying to magnify the enemy but this is the greatest thing or one of the greatest things that the enemy will fight you in in your life is knowing this very thing Because if he can keep you from knowing this then he can have you under his thumb all your life Colossians chapter 2 verse 12 Paul is writing in a different portion or to a different church but he's saying much of the same things and for the sake of time we won't read the whole entire thing but in verse 12 it says buried with him speaking of us buried with him in baptism and which you were also raised with him through faith in the work of God who raised him from the dead Now notice what it says. The only way that it works for you is having faith or through faith and the working of God. God did this in Christ. And having faith in what he did causes you to be raised up or not that it causes you to be raised up, but it causes you to operate or function in the place that you've been raised to. Does that make sense? I mean, you can... You can sit, in the, sit in, the, in the automobile, sit behind the car, and say, I sure wish this thing would move down the road. But if you never turn the ignition on and put it in gear, you'll sit there all day long. And so you're sitting in the seat of authority, but until you put it in gear, until you start to have faith in the function of the work or the power that God did in Christ, you'll never see it come to pass. And so we've got we to gotta function in it. We have to operate in it. And then in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15, it says, And you being dead to your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, speaking about your former life before Christ, he has made a life uh, together with him, having forgiven your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against you, or that was against you, which was contrary to us, and that he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross and having disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let's break that down just as we close. He says this. He says that there was this requirement of your trespasses, but Jesus paid the price. He nailed it to the cross. And as a result, you realize that before Christ... And actually, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says that the devil is the God of this world. So, without Christ, you are under the control of the enemy. When you're in Christ, or a believer, or a Christian, you have been set free from his control. And therefore, he has no more authority in your life. And it says that in Christ, he disarmed them. One translation says that he paralyzed the enemy and all the principalities and powers. Now, once again, I don't know if you're like me. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I'm exempt from this. The enemy will wake me up at night and start talking in my ear. He talks trash. He'll talk trash to me about my wife. He'll talk trash to me about my kids. He'll talk trash to me about Jordan. (laughs) He'll talk trash to me about you. And vice versa. You know what I'm talking about. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he makes a lot of noise. Let me, let me ask you this question. Here, here's this big guy. I mean, he's like six foot five. He is muscle bound and he's looking at you. Got a couple teeth missing. And he says, I am going to rip your head off and spit down your neck. And you're like, ah, Jesus, help me. And, and he's coming at you. And you're thinking, oh, dear God, I hope I can outrun this guy. Right. And if he's making a threat, you're going to be Fearful. But let's take this same guy that he's six foot five and he's real muscular on the top. But he's sitting in a wheelchair and he's paralyzed. And he's sitting in that wheelchair and he's saying to you, I'm going to kill you. When I catch you, I'm going to rip your head off and spit down your neck. Now he's paralyzed. I said he's paralyzed. So he can talk on all he wants. I'll get up into his face just, just out of reaching distance. What you say? Tell me that again. What? I can't hear you. Oh, I don't think so, you little. You know, start, I start mocking him. Why? Because he's paralyzed. He can talk all he wants to, and he can't do a thing. And the Bible says that Jesus disarmed the enemy, he's paralyzed. So he can talk on all he wants. He can tell you you'll never get that job. He can tell you you'll never get out of debt. He'll tell you that you're going to die. He'll tell you that your marriage ain't going to make it. But talk on. You're paralyzed. You can't do nothing. Come on. And when we know who we are, we don't have to be coward. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid. Even with those thoughts of depression and what we deal with, it's just the lie of the enemy. And we're free. And then he says that he made a show of them openly. He put them on display. He put them on display. So in other words, he tries to remind you of your past and all the stuff that you did and all the things. But remember, Jesus forgot those. God forgot those. But all we have to do is just remind, hey, remember that day when he made a show of you openly? Remember that day when he whooped you and took you through all eternity and just drug you around like a little rag doll? Hey, do you, re- you remember? You remember that I, I'm the result of what he did, and I'm in him. In fact, it, take a good look at me, because I look a lot like him, devil. Come on, I just want you to... I want, hey, devil, re- let me see this seat that I'm sitting in. It, it's a place of authority. I just want you to... Hey, remember, see my size 10 and a half? That's what Jesus said, that you're under my foot. So listen, I just want to remind you. In fact, I just want to make a show of you openly right now. In fact... I, having fun today preaching. Amen. I remember when I was in eighth grade. I, I, I'll finish with this. I was in eighth grade. I was in karate, but I was skinny. And so all those muscle bound football wrestler guys, they always wanted to mess with me. <laughs> you know, and I remember this one guy. He said his girlfriend said, I did something. I'm like, I didn't do nothing. He says, well, she said you did. I said, I didn't. He said, well, I said you did. And I said, well, I say I did. And he said, well, then let's go at it. I said, I tell you what. I said. And this was my, kind of my, my get myself prepared and mentally, so I got a game plan. I said, Friday, Friday is the school dance. I said, let's do it at the dance. And I said, I'm going to do it where everybody can see me whoop your hind in. He's like, all right, Friday. So then all week long, my buddy would taunt him. Do you know Tony is a black belt? Do you know Tony has been in martial arts for years? He's going to hurt you. <laughs> and it would taunt him all week long. And then when we got to the, the dance, well, I wasn't going there for a dance. I was going there for a fight, so I had my karate pants on. They were black, you know. And then you say, well, why do you got your karate pants on? Because I got to kick good, man. I got a, yeah. And it was part of my intimidation factor. So I walk in. We're, I mean, the whole school is gathered around us in the center of the gym. I said, "All right, let's go." He's like, "I'm sorry, I don't want to fight." So I didn't think so, <laughs> and I walked away thinking, "Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord." <laughs> but what's my point in that story? As that all the taunting, all the conversation, all the things that he heard, he decided, I don't want to fight. And that's what we do to the enemy. Devil, you're defeated. You were made to show openly, I have authority, so shut up. And you watch him cower down because you have authority. Amen? Amen? Let's stand. Praise the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I've come to the end of my time, so we're going to cut the end short. But listen, I want you to know if you're a believer, a follower of Christ, regardless of whether you felt like you've messed up, whether you've done things right, you're still seated in a place of authority. And the life that you choose is the life that you choose. The life that you're living is the life that you've chosen right now. You can blame it on everybody else. You can blame it on this or that. But it's bent on your choice, on your decisions. Whether they be good choices or bad choices. But wherever you're at right now, that can change. It can go from bad to good. Or it can go from good to great. Wherever you're at, you can step up and turn it around. Because of who you are, what you've been given, what you have, and what God said you can do. This is your selfie. (laughs) Haha. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the eyes of our understanding that are enlightened and opened. And God, we thank you that this week we will put our authority into practice. We'll open up our mouth and say the right things. We'll not agree with the negativity of life, but we'll agree with what your word says. And the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, or it's 18, 18 rather. It says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So all of heaven is waiting for you to give voice. And all heaven is waiting to back you up. You've been waiting for heaven to do something for you. But remember, you're seated in heavenly places. So therefore, you just simply say, Devil, I bind your activity in my family's life and my children's life. I bind your activities in the affairs of my mind and my thought life. And you'll say, God, I purpose right now, loose the power of God. Loose that authority that I have. I'll loose all those things that you say are mine. And God, you said that you would stand behind me. So God, we thank you right now. That we're standing in that place of authority. Taking our place. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.